Well, um, we're going to continue in our series, Victory Over Darkness, that we, we've been in for some time. Um, if you missed the earlier messages, they're all online, uh, in video and audio. You can go to our podcast, you can go to our website. It's all there. I encourage you to go back and listen to some of those, but uh, we'll go further today. Colossians 1, verse 9. Colossians 1, verse 9 says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Well, if you know His will, the Bible's His will, if you know what's His will for your life and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, you're way ahead of the curve. If you know what God wants you to do in every circumstance, you've got it made. Amen? It, if you don't have to guess, it's like, well, this is a pretty good plan. No, God doesn't just have, yes, he has plans, but they're not plans that could fail. In other words, he's not trying anything. He knows. So if we are in tune with him and just do what he tells us to do, we got it made. You're not trying something, you're obeying. If you do what you're called to do and you just work with him, then he'll do his part. You don't got to worry about his part. That'll happen. Just make sure we're doing what we're called to do, acting on what he said. So the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In the Young's literal translation, you know, the Young's literal, very literal, it's sometimes clunky to read, but it brings across the the real meaning. It doesn't have any fluff. It's definitely not a paraphrase. It's nobody's opinion. It's uh, literal. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who did make us meet for the participation of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13, who did rescue us out of the authority of darkness and did translate us into the reign of the Son of His love. In the Amplified Classic, uh, let's just skip down to verse 13, the Father has delivered and drawn us to Himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In the CEV, again, let's just go to the verse 13, says, God rescued us from the power of Satan and brought us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So we see, this, this really brings out uh, the full import of these of these verses, especially verse 13, it says He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He's rescued us out of the authority of darkness. He's uh, drawn us to Himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness. He's rescued us from the dark power of Satan. And then He's brought us into the kingdom of, his lo- of the Son of His love and to His dear Son. So we've been rescued out of something the authority, the dominion, the control, the power of darkness and Satan. Same thing. And we've been translated or conveyed into something that is the kingdom of Jesus. That's the truth. That's what's happened. Let's look at Ephesians 1 verse 15. Gone over those verses uh, you know, different times and we'll refer uh, to that truth, but we've, we've spent some time going through that, not going to stay there, but we're reading a few scriptures that we've read before. Ephesians 1 verse 15, it 
It says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. They would give you the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Him. See, the knowledge of God is what's going to help us to see clearly. You know, we spent a whole series last year about the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God, or the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. Without knowing Him and without looking at His, tr- His truth, uh, you're going to be confused. People are going to be confused, and you can clearly see that. All kinds of ideas, uh, philosophies, but they don't line up with the Word of God. How we're going to move up in our true understanding is knowing what He says. And not just knowing what He said, understanding what the fullness and the import of what He has done. You know, you can have something, but not understand the importance of it. Right? I mean, some people, you know, you you could have something, uh, you know, a good work situation. And not understand because that's all you've ever known. You think that that's normal and you take it for granted. You have a manager that truly cares for you and, you know, doesn't treat you uh, like an object, doesn't try to burn you out, and you could go to work and just, you know, feel like you can really do your job and do it well and you're, you're at peace and there's not drama all the time. And you could think that's normal. Well, if you've worked different places, that's not normal. And you could take it for granted and be like, you could even despise and be like, well, it's okay. And, not, and then you don't realize it until you leave. You think the grass is greener. Go out and you, you realize, oh my goodness. What did I do? I didn't, I didn't realize what I had. I had it. But I didn't walk in it. I didn't get to work going, man, this is great. Because you don't understand what other situations are like. And so you're complaining. <laughs> and now you realize you thought you had something to complain about. Now you realize, I mean, not that you should complain, but you realize, good night. Now I really feel like I have something to complain about. What was I even talking about, stupid? Well, these, these truths that we're reading, this is reality. This is what we have through Jesus. But you know we can have it and not realize it. And walk like we don't have it. And not understand what Jesus has done. And put up with stuff that is already taken care of. We could even complain. And think certain things are God's fault. And if we really knew the truth, we'd realize God's already delivered us from certain things but we don't understand. So we're walking around like, well, I don't understand this, I don't understand that. And the truth of the Word will enlighten us to where we can walk and take advantage of what He has done. That's what this is talking about, that that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. It says that uh, He's praying. The Apostle Paul's praying for these people, and you can pray this for yourself, you can pray it for your family, pray it for Christians. This is our rights that we understand basically what the reality of what Jesus has done. May that uh, verse, let's read the beginning of verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That means you see. It's different to look at something and then actually see. You can look and go, oh yeah, and then you realize when when you actually understand what's going on, oh, now I see. Now I understand. I was just thinking about this the other day. Every one of us is in the same boat. You know, I was thinking about, just just thinking back to, you know, certain, just growing up, and, you know, nothing really dramatic or anything, but just certain situations, and just thinking about the, from the perspective I have now. And you wish you could just go back and be a fly on the wall and see what that really, because you looked at it through your perspective. Just, and I'm not, I'm, like I said, I'm not talking about a specific thing, just, just social situations. And like, what was that really, 
like because I have such a different perspective. I have an understanding now. What was the reality? Because, you know, it's like, you know, it's like going back to your elementary school when you're in high school and you look at the lockers. You know, everybody know what I'm talking about? And, and you thought they were normal size, but when you go back when you're grown and you see those lockers in elementary school, they're short. And I remember going to, um, when we took the tour to go to, uh, we called it junior high. They call it middle school now, and ours was 7th and 8th grade only. Now, like around here, it's 6th to 8th grade. But when you got done with 6th grade or close to the end, you would take a, a field trip and go to the, to the junior high. Ooh, it looked big. It was two stories. And the lockers were bigger, and you see, you know, just, just, just expansive. It's like, oh, how are we ever going to deal? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then forget about the high school at that point. You just faint at that, you know, how did, that had three stories, you know, different places, and, oh, just expansive, and it's big football stadium, and, oh, my goodness. So you go into junior high, you know, by the time you're in eighth grade, it's cool, you, you know, you realize these little sixth graders coming in, they don't know anything. And then you go into high school, and you're the ninth grader, and you're the freshman, now you're the bottom again. And boy, these people that are 18, seven, you know, 18, they're, they're about ready to go in the work phase. They look like adults, the workforce, they look like adults to you. You're like, wow, I mean, they're old. And they know stuff. And by the time you get to be, uh, you know, you're going to graduate, then you think, you know, poor little froshes, these little freshmen coming in, they don't know anything. You try to help them the best you can. You know, when you see somebody lost in the hall, and then you go to college, it starts all over again. I remember looking, I remember being in the room with a bunch of, you know, older guys that were trying, you know, trying to give us advice. They were the freshmen, and they were the seniors, and I mean, man, they're 22. They look like they are now real adults. They know what's going on. And they're like, it's going to go fast, and here's the things you should know. And I was like, wow, that is so far out there, and it just... Boom, and then I'm the one having that same discussion with these freshmen. Our perspective changes, right? What you know, when you look back at the situations, it changes. When, now, when you go back, you know, when I go back to, or uh, go to my, I don't have anybody, any kids in elementary school, but when we go, you see how small everything looks, and you see the little projects on the walls and things, and then you think back to when you were doing it. You know, your teachers, they were all so old, and you realize, you look at these teachers, and they're just, some of them are just out of school, and it's like, you look like a kid yourself. <laughs> and you're teaching Mike, and you have that responsibility. It's amazing. But, you know, our perspective, uh, it, it advises everything about how, what we experience. Where we're at, what we know, what we understand. And this is talking about our, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened so that we see. In reality, do you imagine going through elementary school and have the understanding you do now? <laughs> or high school? Don't you wish you knew what you knew now when you're in high school? I don't know too many people that want to go back to high school, but you know, if you just knew... But you can't just, you try your best to convey certain things, but, you know, you're, you're, your understanding is so much different. Well, we're going through, to, through life right now. You think of God Almighty and what He's done through Jesus. The reality of what He's done and that He's delivered us from any power of darkness and that he's, we're, we're His sons and daughters, the more we get a revelation of what that truly means, it'll, it'll change everything about how we walk. I don't claim to have arrived. We've all, we're all coming up. But the more we understand, you know, God's word's the standard, not any man's word. You know, we're looking at the word of God to bring all of our understanding up. But we know that the more we can understand what's in the word and see things as they truly are, then it's just like looking back, if you could just, you know, know certain things when you were going to school. Well, if we could just know certain things now about circumstance, I mean, you could look, you know, two years, three years, five years ago, and you saw how things turned out, and you may have been stressed about something or understood, and you didn't know how God was going to come through. And now you look at it, and you see the answer, and you realize, well, there's nothing to worry about. Why were you getting stressed? Because you couldn't see around the corner. 
Well, that was perspective. If you would have had the perspective that I know what God, God is coming through, and if I just look to Him and obey Him, He's got this, He's going to help, you would have had a different perspective. You wouldn't have been as, nearly as stressed. Well, right now, if we can walk through any conditions that we might face and understand the reality of God's Word, then we can walk through it with confidence, having the confidence of our future selves, looking back. See, God already knows the future. He already knows what's going on, so the more we're enlightened and walk in it, then the more we're going to be able to just partake of what He's given us it was ours all the time, but we can walk in it more. Let's keep moving. Verse 18 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance from the saints. Verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Verse 19 says, To know what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. There is such a great power toward us who believe, and to understand what that is. That we want to understand what God has really done. According to Him, or according to the working of His mighty power, verse 20, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. That power, that might, that when you think of the power that raised Christ from the dead, He said that power is toward us. Well, our minds can't comprehend that, but we can get more and more of an understanding. We won't, while we're on this earth, be able to comprehend that fully. But the more we understand what God has done, the, the more we're going to be able to walk through uh, in victory, and we're going to be able to walk through with His perspective. Verse 21, far above... All principality, I don't know if I read verse 20, but let's just read the end of verse uh, 19 and then go into 20. According to the work, working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So there, Jesus, or God, through Jesus, has given us authority and power over all the authority and power of darkness. Now let's look at Hebrews 2, verse 14. We, we covered this too, but I want to uh, go over some of this and then um, get into really what we have for today. I mean, this is all what we have for today too. You know, this is all part of it, but <laughs> this is the segue, but you know, we've some. Hebrews 2, verse 14, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So it says, just as the children are flesh and blood, that's people, he himself likewise shared in the same, that's Jesus came, in the form of a man, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So that through death, through his death, burial, and resurrection, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So that's what Jesus has done. Verse 15, and release those who through death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So what Jesus did has destroyed the power of the devil. Now let's look at that in the Amplified. It says, Since therefore these, his children, share in the flesh and blood, in the physical nature of human beings, he himself in a similar manner partook of the same nature, 
that by going through death he might bring to naught and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. So through what Jesus did, or through uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it says he made or might bring to naught and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. So, you know, we talked about this last week. The devil's there. The devil's on the earth, and we, you know, we covered this earlier in the series. He is called the God of this age. The Bible says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. But for the Christian, he doesn't have authority over the Christian. But the, Satan's there. He's here on the earth. And we talked about last week, you know, looking at the table that God has provided in spite of the fact that the enemy's there. Because he's not going to go away. In other words, he's not going to leave the earth. There is evil on this earth, but partaking of what God has for us anyway, even though the enemy's there. Well, the enemy's here. But he doesn't have authority over the child of God. He doesn't have power. His power has been rendered to naught. It, it's not effective. But the more we're enlightened to this fact, the more we'll walk in that. And like we were saying, you could have something but not know you have it, and Satan's a con. And so if he convin- can convince you you don't have it, even though you do have it, you won't have it. You could have something and somebody could convince you, well, you don't have it. They're trying to steal from you. You know, people get cheated all the time out of something. It's in the contract. They have it. But then, you know, if somebody tries to cheat them out of it, they don't know it's in the contract, so they go without it. Even though they have it. Sometimes people say, well, why, does the devil, why is the devil able to do certain things? Because people let him do it. Because we let him do it. He's able to do it because people let him. It's not God's will. Everything that happens in the earth is not the will of God. You don't discern the will of God by looking at what happens and say, well, it happens, so it must be the will of God. It happens, so then that must mean it's God's will. There's a whole lot of things happening in the earth that are not God's will. They're not what God wants, but they happen. We have to understand that God's will is not determined by circumstance. His will is determined by what He said in His Word. People say, well, why did such and such happen? Well, some of this is answers to that. Satan has been defeated, but if he can convince us to put up with stuff, then we'll put up with it, even though it's already been taken care of. If, if uh, look real quick at 2 Peter uh, 3, verse 9, just a few verses down. 2 Peter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Question, do people go to hell? This says, God's not willing that any should perish, but they go to hell. Because God gave men a free will, And men listen to lies. And if they listen to what the devil has said, well, there's no hell. There's no devil. There's no God. And people say, well, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. I just believe that we all kind of make our own relationship with the universe. And, you know, it's just whatever you believe that's cool. Well, somebody believes that and won't call in the name of Jesus. They hear the truth, but say, well, I don't, I mean, yeah, that's fine for you, but that's not true. That's just something that you, you believe to, you know, make you comfortable because you're afraid of dying. And people say that. Okay. 
So you reject Jesus. That's not God's will. That's not the will of God. That's not, that's an untruth. But men will accept it. Well, that's the same with every other thing in, in life. What we know about the Word of God and then what we act on is going to determine what we experience of what God has provided for us. And we, we need to know what the Word of God says so that we can know the truth. And then we need to act on what the Word of God says to, to be able to partake. And here's the thing, you can't do that for someone else. Now, we've talked a lot about walking in authority. And, uh, you know, and we're talking about that today. The authority that God has given us through Jesus. But you can't make somebody else walk in it. And you can't take authority for everybody and just walk down the street and get them free of what the devil's doing. We have authority, but there is a sphere of that authority. And it's not the whole world. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Read some of these verses. I believe there are answers here this morning. I mean, I know it. But some people have asked, well, why did this and such and such happen to somebody? Now, this is not, the Word of God will never condemn us, but the truth will set us free, will make us free. If we think everything is up to God, then everything that goes wrong is God's fault. And he is the author of evil, if we believe that. And he's not. If we believe that we can do everything to set everybody else free, then we're going to be disappointed because we can't, because people have a will. If it were true, you could just get everybody saved today and we'd just go into heaven tonight, we'd be done. And you could get everybody healed too. Just like that, if it was all up to you, but you can't. People have a will. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It means he can't devour everybody. If the devil can just do whatever he wants, why doesn't he just he, he do it? He'll tell you, well, I'm taking you out. Why didn't you do it yesterday? Just do it. Just why, why do you even tell me about it? Just take me out. Because he can't. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If, if he has his will in everything, then everybody would already be dead, sick and broke, I mean, separated from God. But he can't just exercise his will over it. But he tries to get men to exercise their authority on behalf of him. He's a con artist. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him. What if you don't resist him? He's going to do what he wants to do. Doesn't mean he has the power of, uh, to do it. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. It says resist him. See, natural or spiritual authority is a lot like natural authority. You don't have authority over everybody in the natural. But you do have authority over yourself. And you do have authority to degrees over your family. Depends on where they're at in life. If they're two, you have authority 
over them as a parent. And you have responsibility over them. You can't say, oh, well, my two-year-old just did that and, and it's not my responsibility. People are going to look at you like they're two. They are your responsibility. And you can't be like, I don't know, it's just not my fault. Now, a two-year-old can do limited damage, you know. Ten-year-old, eleven-year-old, fifteen. Well, they're not my problem. That's not true. Now, it goes, it's, a gra it's, it's gradually getting more and more where they're growing up. More and more becomes them. Now, if they're 23 and they go do something they shouldn't have done, it's on them, right? It's not that, you know, something on you. you you're, you're like, well, I, I did what I knew to do, but it's on them. They're not going to come and hold you responsible. They're going to hold them responsible. But if they're five, you're responsible. So we, have, we know we have limited authority. Now, I don't care what the age of the kid is. If you go and meddle in somebody else's child and try to control them, how's that going to go over? Somebody else is two, and you know, you're an adult, but now you're going to go control that two-year-old. Does that work? They're gonna, you're going to be met with resistance. Right? And rightfully so. You go and correct somebody else's child. I don't care if they're two, five, ten, eleven, fifteen, or if they're a young adult. You, you know, uh, you are stepping in. I mean, if they're, if they're in the control of that household, you're going to say, well, you do this. You don't have that authority. Right? Uh, you know, go over to your neighbor's house and say, hey, give me, give me your checkbook. I'm going to manage your finances. You don't have any authority over their finances unless they give you something. There are legal ways for people to transfer authority, right? If you're going to be out of town and you can't sign documents, you got to, you know, you give your lawyer power of attorney or whatever, they can sign the documents. They can sign James Preston and Shel, you know, Michelle Preston. It's just like I signed it because I gave them that authority. That doesn't mean they can do that forever. And that doesn't mean they can do that in every situation. That's, I gave them authority. But I can't, they can't just, you know, my neighbor can't come to my house and go, well, you know, hey, I'd like to buy myself a, a new car with your bank account. Can't do it. And you can see if they come over to your house or somebody comes, tries to set foot on your property, that's your property. You can kick them off your property. But you can't necessarily kick somebody off your neighbor's property. This is, we understand these things. Well, in spiritual things, people have thought, I, I have the authority that Jesus has given me. And now they go out thinking they can do, use it on anybody. You, you can't. There's a sphere. You have authority over you. You have authority over your children. The older they get, they need to agree with you. They need to, to, to give you place. You know, to, to uh, work in their life and spiritual authority I'm talking about. You know, you may have family that are siblings, parents, limited authority. I'm talking about anybody. I'm not saying you have it all together and somebody else. I'm talking about just spiritually because people get the idea, okay, all these other things we're talking about, I have authority, I have spiritual authority, Jesus has given me authority, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to use it. I'm going to go and I'm going to pray for anybody, whether they want to be delivered or not. Because bless God, I have authority. What if they want it? You say, nobody would want to be bound. Are you kidding me? They may not put it in those terms, but there's people, they, they want certain things. Not careful, all of us can be deceived in certain things where you're holding on to something you shouldn't be. Well, everybody has a free will. 
You can't just go and kick down the door of their will and say, this is good for you, you're going to have it. You can't do that in the natural. You can't do it spiritually. Verse 9 says, resist him steadfast in the faith. You have to resist. Well, what if somebody's not resisting at all, but you're trying to resist for them? What's your influence over them? If they're two, you need to resist for them. If they're 25, you pray for them. But you can't resist for them. What do you pray for them? That the eyes of their understanding are enlightened, that they'll see what is theirs already so they can resist. This is the best way to pray for anybody. Pray and pray in the Spirit. Pray in other tongues. Well, you know, why? You don't know everything that needs to happen. But the Bible says the Spirit, we speak mysteries in the Spirit. You can pray out the perfect will of God for somebody, and God, it gives God an avenue to pray what needs to be prayed out for that person, even though your head doesn't know. You may think you know. You may think, this is what I'll do. I'll pray. Now, you pray according to the Word, like what we're talking about. But then there are some things that need to be done. You can pray. In the, that's why it's so powerful, and that's why it's so combated. Satan will try to shut it down because he knows. that You are praying out the will of God for somebody, and it bypasses the limitations of your mind. What you, you don't know certain things, and you may wouldn't pray it because you're not sure about it, but God can pray through you as we yield to them, and things can get done. That's, what we, that's how we need to pray for people. But you can't open up their head and say, here, this is what the, you need in the Word, this is what you need to see, and put it in. You can't do it. Again, not an arrogance saying any of us has it all together, but you could see something and say, this would really help you, but you can't, you can't make those decisions for somebody else. And other people can't make the decision for you. And some people will say, well, I prayed for them. Why didn't such and such happen? There could be all kinds of reasons. But ultimately, you don't know everything that's going on in the other person's heart. Even your spouses, even somebody that you're really close to, we don't know everything that goes in their heart and what they're, where they're really at with God. And vice versa. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Therefore submit to God. Okay? That's the number one thing. Then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But what if somebody's not, resist, not submitting to God? We know we talked about this personally. We need to, be, we need to submit to God. What does that mean? That means we're going to do what He tells us to do. We are bowing the knee to Him. We're honoring Him. We're going to be in obedience, doing what He has called us to do to the best of our ability. Right? Then if you're in that position, you're in every position. If Satan gets in the way, you say, get out of here in the name of Jesus, because you are doing God's work. If you're on the mission doing what God has told you to do in His authority. Well, His authority is there to get the job done. So if Satan tries to raise his head as an obstacle in any way, you can say, no, get back, right? You're in full authority. But what if you go decide you're going to do your own thing? Well, God told you to be here, but you're over here. Well, you're not in a place, so you're already yielding to the wrong thing, Right? You're yielding. What, what would cause you not to do the will of God? You're listening to your flesh, influenced by the enemy in some way. You've bought an idea that's wrong. Otherwise, why wouldn't you do just what God told you to do? So if you go over here, now you're already not yielding to God. You're not submitting to Him. And so when you're, you're resisting, what are you resisting? You're trying to resist the devil, but you're yielding to Him. Okay, so we've talked about that first person. Well, what if you're praying or, or trying to exercise authority for somebody, but they're not submitted to God, they're going to do their own thing, but you're trying to resist the devil when they're listening to the devil. They've decided they're going to do their own thing, and you're trying to come on behalf of, 
of God to them, but they aren't submitted to God. You can't resist what they're not resisting. They're opening the door and you're trying to resist it. Well, what, what authority is higher in their life, theirs or yours? Theirs. All the time. You can't. You can pray for them, but if they're going to hold on to something or decide not to resist, you cannot override their will. It's the same exact thing that you want somebody to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You know it's the truth, because it's, it's true for every person. You know that's the will of God, but they will not. You cannot receive Jesus for them. You can't. But, you, but, they, but they're going to go to hell. God knows that. It's the same way with anything on this earth. Yeah, but they, if they would just receive this, if they would just know that God wants more for them in this area, that they, but God, just do it. God can't do it. But that's the way people pray. God, do it. What you're asking Him to do is to override their authority, which He gave to them. You can't override. If God gave a person authority to do something, He cannot just be just and override that. And people say, well, I prayed, and this didn't happen for this person. Why? We don't know all the answers all the time. We don't know exactly what happened with that person is what I'm saying, but there are answers. And if you could see behind everything, you would say, okay, I understand. But we don't see as God sees. But you can't just go exercise authority over anybody. Well, I'm going to go down the street and I'm just going to, you know, believe God that every person's going to be healed no matter what. Just as a sign that just to show them, on what authority are you going to do that? Now, if there's a gift, uh, I, I've exp heard people, there are people that were in services and there just to be critical. Now, I've heard accounts, other people talk about it. And they knew the person was there because they were like, this doesn't work, and they were in a meeting. And they were there just like, whatever. And God, out of His mercy, all of a sudden, I remember somebody telling this story. It, 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 there was stuff going on, and the Spirit of God was moving, and people were getting healed. And all of a sudden, somebody that came in and had a bad attitude and was there, not out of reverence for God at all, was there very critical, all of a sudden was like, it's all over me, it's all over me. The anointing of God was on them, and they were being healed. That's a gift of the Spirit. That's as God wills. God can do that. He's dealing with them. But you can't make it happen. That's, that's not the norm. I remember there was a person that got in my face. This woman got in my face out there in the, um, out by the elevator. Was like, you know, she was upset about uh, being filled with the Spirit and everything. Didn't, didn't believe in anything. It was like, well, that, that's all a bunch of junk. And it was like, if, if anything you believe was true, you could just heal my knee right now. You could just do it. And I was like, no, I couldn't. I mean, I let her go, but she was mad. You could just do it, just to prove it, as if you carry it around in your pocket and you can just do with it what you want. That's not, I'm not the healer. You're not the healer. God's the healer. It's what, there's a cooperation. People got to come to God and acknowledge Him. See, some people just want to come to God and just whatever... Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, they, they don't really want a relationship with God. They just want what God can give. Just give me the healing. Let me go on back to life. I'm tired of this pain. I want the pain out of the way so I can just do whatever I want. Not that I need it to serve God. Well, then that means you're in a bad place. You're, you're, trying, to do, you're trying to live and yield to Satan, but then say, well, I want what you got to give, so I'll yield to you, but then go back to yielding to Satan. You see how that's not going to work. You can't go and just empty out the hospital. Just say, well, I'm just going to command everybody. 
No, you've got to rightly divide what the Word of God says. You don't have authority to just do whatever. Ephesians 4, 27 or 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Well, that means we can give place to the devil. What if somebody's giving place to the devil? If they're giving place to the devil, how are you going to tell the devil just to get out? Some people use sickness because, you know, they don't want it to go. Because they benefit from it. You say, how in the world? What they get people, people who can feel sorry for them? I'm not belittling anybody. I'm saying this is the truth. And we've probably all been there, right? <laughs> I'm sick, so do everything for me. Oh, I can't do that. Will you go wait on me? The problem is, if we, if we yield to that, and it's just, you know, let's bring it to where we are. If we're like, well, I just can't do it, you are attaching yourself to that now. You're not getting up and saying, I can do it. I'm not saying there's not a place. If you, if you need to be helped and whatever, we all can be there. But we should not try to, to be like, well, I need that. I like this because now we're not resisting. Well, if somebody has done that for years and is used to being treated a certain way because they, they have a, a, a physical issue, do they really want to be free? You say, everybody wants to be free. Not necessarily. You can't have authority say, well, you're going to get, you're healed now. They could work with you, but you can't just override their will. Let's look at Acts 16, verse 16. This is an example of the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul, he wrote, you know, Ephesians, which we were talking about in Colossians. These, these scriptures were talking about authority, but look at, look at here, he's, he's going about... Verse 16, it says, Now it happened as he went with, to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her master's prophet by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she, this she did for many days. So this was a spirit. Evidently disruptive. She did this for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Well, question, why didn't he do that initially? If he's greatly annoyed and she's doing something that she shouldn't be doing, why didn't he just say, get out of here? Because that was a gift of the spirit in operation. Paul couldn't just do it. He couldn't, he couldn't do it by himself. He can't take authority over another person. Obviously, the people want it there. You can't just go and just say, go down the street. Your problem, your problem, your problem. They, they were making money off of this. They wanted this. You can't just deal. When you're dealing with yourself you, and your, your family, then we can walk in authority every time. But you start dealing with somebody else, you got to understand there's a, there's a chain of command there. And if God deals with you and there's a... a gift of the Spirit not in operation, then stuff can get done. But sometimes people make the mistake of trying to get out and they try to act like they have the authority to do it, out of line with God. Another thing related, people, you'll see people healed. I've seen this. They're healed in a meeting where there is a corporate anointing, there may be gifts of Spirit, in operation, there is mass faith. People say, well, why, you know, what's the difference in just being alone and being in a corporate meeting? Why can't I just have church alone? There is a difference in a meeting like this. There is, everybody's bringing their faith together 
and there's a corporate, it's a corporate setting. When people come and you see thousands of people coming and expecting healing, you see these miracles happen. People, you know, in other countries, they're, they're walking for miles trying to get to the meeting. They're believing something. They're expecting something. There is a corporate faith. People get healed in an environment like that. But what, what can happen is in an environment like that, people will get healed. They'll get delivered. But then, because there's a, it's so easy, there's a mass faith. There's, there's faith there, there's the moving of the Spirit there. But then they get off back at home. And if they don't have teaching, if they don't understand this, and they don't understand it for themselves, then symptoms come back. And they don't know to resist it. And then they say, well, I guess I didn't get healed. And it comes back on them. And then people say, well, see, they never got healed. I've seen that happen. I've seen in, in, in meetings that we've had, had people that could hear, that could see. And it wasn't weeks, months later, they couldn't anymore. Well, when you deal, it'd be like if you're on somebody's property and certain things are working, but then now you've got to make stuff work in your life just in the natural where you are. It worked while you were in their realm, but now you're on your own and you have to deal with what you know and you have to resist. A person has to resist. You know, because people say, oh, well, that stuff's all fake. Those people didn't really get healed. You know, they're hypnotized or some other way. This is real. People will get healed. But Satan... Like when he tempted Jesus, it said he left for a season to come back at a more opportune time. And he'll come and whisper his lies. You didn't really get healed. What's that pain? And people are like, no, it's all done. And then they don't push back. They're like, oh, I just don't know. And they yield and res don't resist, bring it right back. And then they say, well, it just doesn't work. God's word's true. And thank God we do have authority. And thank God we, we can resist the devil in our own lives. And as people give us ability, all of us I'm saying, to, to believe and pray for people, uh, then, then we can agree. But we cannot walk down the street and just change people's situation just on our own, without them agreeing, unless there's a gift of the Spirit, unless there's something going on that, that God is moving that way. But you and yourself can't do it. Do we need to understand these things? Otherwise, people, people can get off, and they, then they start, they start asking, well, why didn't it work? Why didn't that work? What's going on? God's Word's true. He's faithful. His Word works every time. And He's good. He wants good for every person. Amen.